This is Jim Semivan, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy, and I've hung about the skiff all day here in Washington looking for someone to record with me, and have found Dan. Dan, welcome. It's uh, It's been a pleasure watching you get skifty. Mm. Dan has watched me for about half an hour mess about with my settings because I'm getting a little error telling me my connection is unstable when it's definitely not um, but we should be good for this one that won't affect the audio listeners the video listeners should be fine as well video listeners video viewers however you consume the podcast Dan um, notes on this one are minimal but not that we don't have stuff to talk about and you said I have to mention this we quite often come on and say this might not last too long beforehand and then the recording goes for an hour or so. I don't think it'll go that long this time, but uh, let's see where it takes us. Uh, yeah. First off, Dan, it's the start of the year. We're recording this on the 15th of January. People will be listening to it on the kind of 15th, 16th, 17th going forward. Quite a lot, I think, happened already in the first couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to start talking about the skiff that happened on the 12th of January. And do you have up, Dan, what skiff stands for again? Because I had this on my um what do you call it google the other day oh never mind dan it's a you sensitive it? compartmented information facility essentially go. for folks who might not have heard this before it is a, a skiff can be any room basically as long as it's prepped for security and secrecy no mobile phones no notepads pens and paper stuff like that whatever's taken into the room isn't allowed to be taken out notes and stuff like that and essentially this skiff was set up for congressmen and women um, lawmakers, policymakers, and the such on the hill to attend to read over the IG complaint that David Grush put in. Essentially, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So Grush put in two IG complaints. One was with the DOD IG that was about reprisals, uh, i.e., the reaction, him him telling the truth, and you know the people that have been threatening him, and then the and intelligence wife. and his wife, ha- yes, him and his wife, yeah. Um, whereas the intelligence community um, inspector general hosted this week's meeting, and that was about the UAP programs more directly related to the stuff that we, you, you know, uh, it kind of gets us up in the morning. Yeah, and um, the politicians, as they were coming out, were met by various TV crews. It looked like there was some popularity with this one, which is good to see some of the, the bigger networks picking the story up. But I think it's safe to say uh, Matt Laszlo at Ask a Paul was doing a lot of the boots on the ground work. Uh, Matt was on the podcast a few weeks ago, does a lot of really good work in this area. And um, please go and follow Ask a Paul or subscribe to the newsletter, all that good stuff. Because Matt was literally standing there all day, as he normally does, walking back and forward across the hill in Washington, um, speaking to lawmakers, policymakers, senators, congressmen and women, um, literally asking them for reaction as soon as they came out. And overwhelmingly, it seemed to be that, you know, they they got something from it. They can't discuss the contents, and that can be frustrating. Um, But this wasn't David Grush sitting in that room trying to convince them of anything. They were looking at some of the details David Grush has talked about that he couldn't say in that hearing back in the 26th of July. Uh, And Tim Burchett, for one, who I spoke to last week, has basically said that he feels most, if not all, of the people who attended the meeting have come out thinking David Grush is the real deal, to paraphrase. Yeah, 100%. The The phrase that I heard a lot from politicians coming out was that it moved the needle, that they actually got new information and they have a distinct uh, 
you know, idea that they're not being given all the information, that there's definitely a cover up going on. This is good. This is where we've been for ages, right? You, all we want is for, for people to realize this and to chase it down. Uh, there, there was a moment where we've got, um, you know, Matt interviewed people like uh, AOC um, and some other politicians who were back at the hearing, but we haven't heard from since. So it's fantastic that they're still just, paying attention as well. Just on that, AOC always sounds like a wrestler's name, but it's Alexandra <laughs> Ortezio Cortez. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Alex, yep. Alexander Otazio Crusher, I, I, I believe it is. Mm. Um, and yeah, so she, she was following the the money, essentially, the money angle. We had Representative Ogles as well, um, clearly understanding that there's a cover up here. And one of my favorite things to come out of it, and the standout, uh, was Representative Eric Burleson, who said, there's certain locations that the ICIG provided that we could certainly look into. That's what I'm looking forward to. It appears that it's not going to be easy to get access. So they have some locations that they can go to now and start knocking on doors and asking for evidence of what they do. With Kirkpatrick and Arrow, it seems that when they went to visit these locations, it was on an honor system that they would knock the door and say, hey, are you housing a secret UAP program? And if people said no, he went, okay, then I'll leave you alone. Whereas these guys are going to be asking for a little bit more than that, and they're suspicious already. So it's going to be curious to see where this goes. Is that aspect of this, because that's one of the things I want to talk about, okay? So they have potentially, or it seems to be, have been given locations within this as to, and it's fair to speculate, and this is going to be a lot of speculation, Dan. They have been given um, locations, names, whatever coordinates could be, for example, of where there is likely to be crashed craft, alien spacecraft, essentially. It's what we're always talking about. And non-human craft, sorry, and non-human biologics i.e. alien bodies. That complaint was put in a while ago, wasn't it? So what they're looking at has been somewhere for a while. And I would imagine, why would it still be there? It's a good question. I I would reemphasize that and say, you know, it's not just this. They've had, what, 70, 80 years to to hide this stuff. Um, If Kirkpatrick's gone to look for it, that's, that's a bigger lead in the modern day. But we've heard Ross kind of allude to a problematic facet of this where some of these craft are too big to be moved. So hopefully there are some locations that are provided where they can go where the craft couldn't be moved, you, you know? Yeah, you would think, again, if a journalist is getting that type of information like Ross Coulthard saying, but then he says that's not in the US. Are yes. these congressmen and women senators going to be flying out to south korea for example it's another way to hide it right <laughs> you bring it to a foreign division you split it off into a different company where you have no jurisdiction and voila no one can go in and look exactly so names and locations though isn't necessarily a bad thing and at least it's it begins an investigation begins maybe not a paper trail but you know you might as well start looking and working your yeah. way back from there um retracing footsteps the some of the language used was interesting um representative luna uh, when she was on Fox News, I've got some of the, the posts and quotes up. Uh, the word interdimensional mm. was um, splashed across the screen at one point. I always remember that. That got a lot of attention from various folks online posting that. Did, and I think that's, that's one thing that comes from this for me, Dan, is seeing some of the language that it might not be popular yet in the mainstream, but you would never have seen this a couple of years ago. No. The, the term non-human just in the the NDAA language, that kind of stuff, or even being proposed to be in there, the stuff that's just being teased, or, you know, they're just, just dipping the toe of the water of, 
here's this language that people have been using in the UFO community for decades. Now you're starting to see it kind of break through the break the fourth wall as such. So that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes me think of kind of the past year as as kind of a you know when you get software. Think of your iPhone; it gets updated every year. But then some years you don't really get new features. They've just been fixing bugs behind the screen and plugging holes, uh, or behind the scenes, sorry, and plugging holes in the software. It feels like that's what 2023 ended up being. We didn't get these big kind of sweeping massive changes through in the Schumer amendment. It was getting everyone on the same page, getting everyone on the same side of the you know the road, and getting everyone on the same team to go forward. Now we're looking at field hearings. We're looking at people understanding terms like interdimensional and ultra terrestrial. I can't believe that that's even been talked about on the news. And no doubt people are going to go look at it. But it it's very suggestive that what Luna had heard in the skiff was related to that aspect of it, that extraterrestrial isn't what we're talking about here. And that makes me think of Blue Book. You, you know how people kind of say that Arrow is Blue Book 2.0. And the conclusion mm. of Blue Book was there's no evidence of extraterrestrial activity. Well, if it's interdimensional, they didn't lie. They didn't hide anything. They answered the question directly. So it's it, it, it strikes me as funny that, you know, our target is on the Air Force when really, you know, that sentence doesn't seem to be wrong. Do you think, and that, this could just be a no, that the Air Force is an easy target, but maybe there are others who enjoy the benefits of the air force being a target for a lot of this and aren't even in the limelight not even they don't even have the light touching the outskirts of their shadows yet and are quite happy for organizations like the air force to keep taking the brunt i mean i i can't say with 100 percent certainty but that's what it is but you know 99.9 percent sure kind of kind of like how Ticketmaster is to musicians you know uh musicians complain all the time that there are all these fees on Ticketmaster and blah 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 when when you look into it, you find out that actually Ticketmaster is hired to be the bad guy and they're fine taking your complaints and your ire because the musicians aren't getting it and the musician can make as much money as they can without really, you know, being the face of it. Um, and, so, forget, yeah, absolutely. and not just not just that, Dan, you've got the musician, but then you've got three or four groups or people between that who take their cut. And yeah, but we do this. We are going to give you the money because I think how that normally works for folks that might wonder what Dan means is if Beyonce does a tour, Ticketmaster will sell the tickets, but Beyonce is normally paid up front by an organization who will say, mm -hmm. you're doing a tour that's going to make $300 million, we think. There is $200 million for you. Whether the tour sells out or not, forget about it. Let us deal with it. They then make the money through, like you say, fees, admin, doing all the stuff, it's selling out, putting on extra dates, but Beyonce gets paid in the background anyway. So yeah, but precisely being... There's all the secret middlemen that you don't see, you don't hear of, who are all very much an active part in this. And I think that's where sometimes I think, I, I try to qualify a lot of my statements these days by saying I think, or my opinion is, but I think a lot of people oversimplify the UFO topic and I yep. think this, so that means this is the case. Um, yeah, slight sidebar on that. When I when I'd messaged, messaged last week, I posted on Twitter or X about the abduction stuff um and a few folks disagreed and a few folks agreed and you know, it's all all fair game that i said the public aren't ready for that conversation and a oh, few yeah, folks that. disagreed that the public are ready and i was like there's thinking the public's ready and then there's actually asking the public and when you ask members of the public like i did where i work very small sample size albeit i don't work with the entire general public in the uk um but i asked four people all of them off the bat said no they don't believe alien abductions happen um two of them still were at the point of 
I mean, do you believe in UFOs? Which anyone listening to this would like that question anymore or you know they're way past yeah. that because what does that even mean etc um and one of them actually said he believed flat earth was more likely than than aliens visiting and then tried to convince me of flat earth theory and i was like <laughs> no don't do that um <laughs> you won't um so that's hilarious uh, i wonder what those same people would think about the you know the ideas of ultra terrestrial essentially you know will lead to if there is like a world overlaid onto our one, that's another dimension and another earth and whatever, however you describe that. If I said to you, you know, or your wife, if I said, you know, would you be bothered if I told you that when you're alone, where you feel you have privacy in your own home, there's actually a whole bunch of beings around you watching you the whole time and they can take you when they feel like it. Mm. <laughs> do you feel safe? How do you feel? Do you want that conversation? I can't imagine most people would be like, yeah, that's great. But, and that's it. I and you asked right at the start of that um, statement, you know, what what do I think they would have thought if you asked them about, you know, and ultra dimensionals, etc. Just the feeling uh -huh. I got from a brief conversation, two of them would have entertained it for a little while. The other two, no, not a chance. And it was still very much. So do you believe in that UFO stuff? Um, and it's not just as easy as, oh, well, in the US over the last six years, this has happened. And, yeah. you know, there was this thing where these pilots it's not always that easy so that's the my point and that was it's still such a leap to start saying do you know what next set of hearings we need people up there talking about their experiences and abductions it's too big a stretch and too big a leap and it would just in my opinion be shot down and ridiculed and would do a lot of damage at this point yeah not to i mean say that doesn't have a time and place or or a part of the conversation right now not on the public stage at that level yeah, exactly. And and we spoke about it with something else. If you introduce part of the conversation in the complete wrong context, it goes real badly and yeah. it, you almost can't recover from it, right? You, you end up clawing it, trying to fight and get defensive. And no, no, that's not mm -hmm. what I meant. And it's too late. You've put it out there and you're, you're jumping to step R or S or T before you're even past step B. Yeah, and it's just but... like, just, if you just wound it back and get there eventually, then that will come. I, I guarantee, you know, we saw those pictures of um, retired Colonel Car Carnell, and we now have it from David Grush as well, where they kind of have a timeline for how disclosure yeah. should be going. Um, there will be a timeline for that about the different facets of the conversation. 100%. Too. And yeah. nuts and bolts, and the woo, and the abductions, and all these different bits, they're in different parts. And we're not and, and even to the nuts and bolts and bit yet. Now everyone's on that page. <laughs> that's my point. Um... And it was nice, though, that in the actual thread, there wasn't a whole lot of shouting and arguing and people disagreed, like uh, Jay, Jay Christopher King, who's obviously been on the pod, and you know Jay well, you've met yeah, him. Yeah, super um, kind dude. Yeah, Came in and disagreed, and I was like, nah, I disagree with you, but that's fine. And we were like, yeah, mm -hmm. cool. And message after it. Um, it, it, it was James, actually a real nice example of people disagreeing on Twitter whilst being respectful. <laughs> a, few, a few people actually put that in, not to be condescending, but they were like, oh, this is nice to see folks having a debate, disagreeing, but yeah. you know, not having to fall out over it. It was like... That's how, how UFO Twitter used to be, right? <laughs> Yeah, and do you know what? We could both be wrong. Anyway, yeah. So, but yeah. So, although I won. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on that, yeah. Uh, Dan, you pointed me to there was a lot of places covering this, and we mentioned Ask a Paul for the, all the work they done. But um, High Peak seventy seven put a lot of this stuff in a thread, yeah. like you mentioned, um, UAP news on X, and yeah, they've got the cool picture of the skiff with the restricted area, no public or media access. All the folks who attended, um, 
and I would butcher all the names, Timbershet, Anna, Paulina, Luna, uh, Jared Moskowitz, uh, Representative Burleson you mentioned, Representative Ogles, Grothman, Garcia, Congressman Raj, uh, or Raja, and it's Ka, Krishnamurthy, um, he was there, uh, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, I got it almost right first time, um, Congressman for Arizona, Andy Biggs, uh, Congressman Waltz Press, cool name, sounds like an organization, um, Nancy Mace, and Mike Turner. So uh, I think Mike Turner is one of the, the standout names there because Mike Turner's one of the three Mikes. Um, he is, yeah. Who shot down in part the UAP Disclosure Act recently. And yeah, if Timber Shet isn't just speaking as a blanket, which he might have been, I'm still not sure, as to everyone was, you know, happy with what happened, then. Interesting that Mike Turner came out of there, you know, happy David Grush is who he said he is. But to be fair, that wouldn't change anything for me. I wouldn't imagine Mike Turner wouldn't have believed David Grush's statements anyway. But due to his backers and the people who are with him and maybe what he wants to get from his political career, it made sense for him to to tear apart the UAP Disclosure Act and the Schumer Rounds Amendment. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if, if he had a bias that didn't, kind of let him buy into these things immediately all it takes is someone casually saying hey get like cut that out and we'll carry on funding you like they don't need a conversation to say hey we've got secret stuff and you've got to help us hide it so on and so forth they just need to say that's inconvenient for us and it's alien waffle you know and and he'd do it so yeah it was interesting to see him but i would emphasize to people uapcaucus.com there's a little form on there. You can fill it out and it'll send messages to these people, to your local representatives, telling them that you care about this issue. There's now a UK one as well, uapdisclosure.org.uk. Fill it out simply and it fires off a letter to your rep. Um, obviously, there are always other things going on. So be kind to your representatives and, and be aware of that. Be quick, be efficient, and just let them know you care. And that's the most we can do. You, you know, just keep keep pushing and using your voice. Um. So some of the comments, I'll go through the thread. Uh, Jared Moskowitz, who has been a big uh, big pusher for this, said this meeting actually moved the needle, as you mentioned before. Needle's one of those hard words for me to say in my accent. Needle. Um, needle. 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 <laughs> needle. Yeah. Needle. Um, yeah. Uh, Representative Anna Paulina Luna, um, she was keen to mention the interdimensional aspect of this. I'll say this. Is there any element, as much as these people are media trained, media savvy to an extent, different extents, and um, confident public speakers, folks like this dipping their toe in a subject that they're all almost all new to are quite likely to say things they either shouldn't or regret later, but that's a good thing for people like us. Like, yeah, do you they... think she she should have came out and said i mean we want her to but i mean do you think the folks in that room if she went i'm going to go out there and talk about the interdimensional stuff <laughs> do you think they might have been like whoa 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 whoa, no yeah that. i i think they would and if you watch the video of of anna paulina luna talking about it you can almost see her bite her tongue after she says that like i can't go further than that like i'm as up to that point she's just quoting david grush and emphasizing that she can use that as an excuse but past that she would be in the territory of violating what she was told in, in that skiff. Yeah, um, the quote was, I think it's important to listen to the specific words that Grush uses. Grush never said extraterrestrial or alien. He said interdimensional. And again, I suppose for her, she's going, I'm just pointing out facts, what was said, um, right mm -hmm. or wrong. 
Um, Robert Garcia, it says here, looked visibly shaken by the briefing. And in this video, it does look a bit kind of, yeah, he does. He's, he's fixing himself and, you know, that could just be nerves in front of the camera and stuff. But he does look, he's, he's heard some things, you know, the man's seen some things. <laughs> and uh, He said, it's true that probably all of us want more answers um, and more information, but I think we've received additional information today that will lead to other actions. Um, it's reasonable to say that everyone that was in the room received probably new information. I certainly did. It's not a fringe topic. It's a serious national security topic. Um, interesting. Thoughts on that, Dan? I mean, it, it's really... I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying these people coming to the fold because they're trying to pass it in the language they know and it's making it accessible for people who I never thought would be paying attention to this subject. So as much as it's frustrating, this the slow roll here, I think what we're seeing is why this needs to be a slow rollout um, and a drip feed. And and it's almost, so I've been reading John Keel a lot recently, and he's talking about what's happening in the 60s and 70s. And it's almost beat for beat the same as what's happening now. Um, it's it's blowing my mind. They're talking about national security implications, safe skies and all that kind of thing, focusing on pilot official testimony and pushing the civilian stuff out. And when I when I heard that, I was like, have they been trying to roll this out for ages and just they keep doing dry runs and when it doesn't catch, they just stop and go, okay, well, we tried. And now we're down the road to where, you know, you can tell me something from the other side of the world in less than a second. Now we're at that point, the conversation's catching and we're actually kind of understanding because of other facets of our society as well, like, you know, the James Webb telescope and the technology we used to. So I think there's there's a big convergence of different subjects at the moment that is making this a much more palatable conversation. Or devil's advocate, because, you know, I like to try and be fair to <laughs> anyone who's more skeptical that listens to this. Sure. Is, is that potentially a sign that this is so well controlled that people think they're getting something? And they know they can put it back in the bottle and just recycle the cycle back again. And in 20, yeah. 30, 40 years time, we're back here going, ah, new governmental department, you know, that new world order certainly worked out and they're going to disclose alien life. And, you know, in, in a sense, you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think either is possible and, and you've got to remain open to to all of these things, right? It, it's tough to decide, but yeah, absolutely. It could be that. Um, Let me say, though, you're, you're right about the, the time we are in now. We've got social media. We can message. We can see information at the blink of a hat. It's not as easy as they put out a newspaper article declaring they'd found a crash flying saucer in Roswell. A small section of the world media reads that there and then because it didn't go round the planet. Yep. And then the next day they put out a release to say, nope, we were wrong. And that's quashed to the small section that see that. Um, whereas now... Once the information's out there, it's out there. You know, all kinds of stuff comes back and gets replayed and, you know, what's getting said. It reminds me of the 1984 book um, sure. where the, th is it the three like supercontinents, two are always allies and at war with the other. And then it <laughs> keeps changing and they keep changing the narrative of who they like right. and when they like them. And yeah, it's, it's the same type of thing. You know, it's just like, you know. The, the, the victors write history, don't they? Um, is very much Absolutely. the case. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and and that kind of you know controversy and control in the narrative makes me think of everything we've experienced this past week or so with the TMZ. Why did that escape me? 
um you, you know they brought out a documentary and there were some videos released i don't know if you want to jump to talk about that now or if i ruined the order um, to you. <laughs> but no no we'll, we'll definitely get to that in a second uh, a few more of those comments uh uh, Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy was disappointed by the answers given by the ICIG. He wanted more specifics. He has said, I, I'm more concerned than I was going into the skiff. And again, I think that's a really nice look at these are all people coming at this from a different angle. They're yes. not all going in. If people think of it rationally, they're not all going in with the same narrative, the same view, the same agenda and coming out even though they're hearing the same information. They're, they're taking different things from that. They're coming at this from different angles. And I think that's a good thing as well. Um, they're not going in here after being locked away in a, a cabin retreat for a month, reading Jacques Vallée, watching you know <laughs> um, American Alchemy's David Grush stuff and uh, Joe Rogan podcasts on UFO highlights. They're not. They're not doing that. They're going in with a, a real base knowledge and probably quite sketchy knowledge of the subject from a lot of views. So, and it's. A, I think I asked Matt Laszlo this. I was like, you know, people assume that these guys and women are all now UFO experts straight away because they're into the subject. They they will spend such a small part of their week. Yeah, you know, and, and Matt, Matt also this. touched on. I remember as Jilla Brown was doing stuff and a few others. People have made these like big thick documents to kind of give them as like a, this is a summary of what you need to know. And he, he made sure to emphasize, you know, if you hand something to them or their staffer, chances are when you turn around, that's gone in the bin. Like they just yeah. don't have time to sit down and read these things. You know, we need to be concise yeah. and to the point. Let them, uh, aid them in the journey of discovery. <laughs> yeah. And at times you have to press them, times you have to give them a break and, you know, yeah. everything in between. Um, Timbershet said, uh, I think they're covering this thing up and these guys pretty much verified that. I think we all know where Timbershet's at in this conversation yeah. at this point. He's, he's very much on board, which is fair play to him. Um, yeah, I, I imagine he was in the skiff every after Thomas Monheim said everything. Tim was like, "I told you so," <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, just banging the table every so often, like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I knew that." Uh, Representative Ogle said, um, "What most of the American people fear is true. There's a concerted effort to conceal as much information as possible." And some of these folks might be coming out here, you know, not particularly interested still in the UFO alien stuff. They might be going and going, "Do you know what? I don't care if it is or isn't." what i do strongly care about is the concealment of information the obfuscation yep. there might be a huge element and this is a good thing i think for the ufo community if there are people going into these skiffs with massive ego and that ego is dented because they think i'm a congressman i'm a congresswoman you know i'm a senator how dare i get lied to or have stuff 100%. held back for me i'm meant to be the shit you know pardon my french but you know i am the top of the pile barring a couple of levels and these organizations think they're above us. And that can only be a good thing that that ego gets bruised. And hopefully that pushes on um, a few people as well. So uh, yeah, they might not I, be I, in it for the alien stuff, but that that could be that could be good. I, I would say that that ego played a really important part in Dave Fravor encountering Tic Tac as well. The, the ego can, you know, it's not always a bad thing. Um, you, you need people to be shocked out of it because then they realize, you know, what what's happened. So when Dave Fravor says... You know, I, I'm the captain of the Black Aces. If there was, you know, if that was blue on blue or, you know, friendly technology, US technology, I would have been asked to sign an NDA. I would know. Mm. And like, yeah, sure, cool. You, you need those people. You know, you need Tom DeLong as the rock star to say, oh, I'll go around the world and reveal aliens. You know, you need that sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there's a difference between these people and Kanye West ego, I would say. <laughs> Very, very different, yeah. Um, and uh, Eric Burleson said he's not fully satisfied with the briefing and his worldview has not changed. Adds that does give more clarity and a, a direction to go next. Uh, so yeah, Wait, uh, his, again, his what view? 
has you're taking the piss out of my accent, <laughs> has has whirled view. Nice. <laughs> He's not fully satisfied with the briefing and his worldview has not changed. Adds that it does give more clarity and a direction to go next. So, <laughs> That's really good. You kind of sound like AI then. More after these messages. Nice. Um, so yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good place to, to kind of leave that. Uh, I think we're all knowing from this, Dan, that there will be more coming from this. And a snapshot, what do you think we're getting next from this? Well, we've spoken about field hearings. Uh, we've spoken about, um, I say we, the the officials have spoken about field hearings coming. They've spoken about more legislation coming. You know, they, they're not backing off this. And we've actually already seen a piece of legislation come out, uh, which I'll just touch on real quick, the Safe Aerospace for Americans Act. And this is a piece of legislation that you would have assumed was in place already. But it basically means that um, people flying commercial airliners and things like that that they can share the UAP experiences without fear of reprisal. There are now legal protections for pilots against retaliation that may result from reporting UAP sightings, like medical disqualification saying they can't fly or cease and desist and things like that. So that's good. We're 15 days into the new year, and we've already got a piece of legislation that's come from uh, all of this hubbub around the SCIF meetings and things like that. So just they'll continue to put fire on this. And personally, I'd really love them to hold a field hearing outside one of the locations they were given. Yeah, um, you're talking about that kind of field hearing, literally, not Anjali style, you know, chair and blanket, but like, is that a good idea though? And I've thought about this. So that there's a look. It's a stunt, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the, the, and that's the way it could come across. And you know, when we talk about context, you know, money uh -huh. stuff, like we mentioned, the way it's presented. You said before about this and just the way something can be put across. Oh, with the experience or stuff, it's got a place 100%, but how that's done is very nuanced. And I just wonder, would Luna, Burchett, Burleson, all standing outside of some you know, Lockheed Martin facility shouting, let us in, that could be skewed by a, by a biased media very easily. And yeah. Does that that could kill political careers as well? Potentially, they'd have to be very careful in doing it in in the way they present it. You know, you you can't have it. Um, you know, like some of the ones we saw during the last election cycle, where they were like, "Yeah, we're doing a media briefing in their side out outside this like derelict garage." That you know, it just mm. looks ridiculous. Um, there there needs to be an air of official event about it, otherwise people that aren't into this are just going to go, "Well, why isn't this an official event? Let's write everything off that they said." You know. So, um, yeah, you mentioned TMZ before, Dan. We are jumping onto that. TMZ had a documentary come out largely driven by Jeremy Corbell. Um, it was TMZ Presents UFO Revolution. Uh, what did you think of the name? Um, I mean, it, it sets you up for failure, right? Um, a show is never going to be a revolution. Um, it, it, it's like, so in college, there was a shop that had sandwich names that were kind of, they play on alliteration and there was one called Tasty Tuna. And I remember buying it because it sounded tasty and it was just disappointing. So it kind of sets you up for failure, you know, a, a more kind of neutral name would have been a bit better, I think. Okay. TMZ's target demographic is the 18 to 34 market. Okay. So there's a, if you look at the younger end of that scale, under 30s, there's not going to be necessarily a whole mass of UFO interest on that. And I know that's that's not true for everyone, but I, I would say largely there's a lot of the kind of 
Gen Gen X or Gen Z crew in amongst that as UFOs. <laughs> I've the lost big track topic. of all that now. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I know. I've had, is, yeah, um, we even got into that. But I I see UFO revolution a bit different that if this documentary was totally not aimed at us, um, it's aimed at a generation who are maybe just starting to look at the UFO subject again. Personally, and I know doing this, I have to talk about them. It was another documentary that is great for people new to the subject. I feel there's we're at a point now in the last year or two, there's been a whole lot of documentaries which are great for people that are new to the subject. Yeah. and But I get that's the nature of documentaries, okay? Um, mm-hmm. There's stuff for people who aren't new to the subject necessarily, but um, but we'll get to that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, TMZ is what it is in terms of a, a media organization. It's um, I, I'm not in the US, but I know I'm kind of stuttering a bit on this, Dan. I don't think it's the Joe Rogan bro type audience necessarily, but it's it's not highbrow entertainment. It's no, it's it's more celebrity gossip, but they have a really good set of lawyers that make sure that everything they present is fairly watertight. And do you know what? I think what I'm trying to say is it's a very good organization for a generation who have grown up with snapshots of information, short, sharp videos, punchy headlines, and in the nicest way, not reading the body of the article, but reading the headlines yeah. and the subparagraph. Um, I agree. That that's the way I kind of see TMZ, and p- p- correct people can correct me if I'm wrong. That's fine. Um, that's just a kind of outsider's view. Um, but I- I've said before, like for me, the UFO topic. I think I said many times in the past, Jeremy Corbell would be the face of disclosure for TMZ. And to be fair, I'm not wrong because he's literally the face of the UFO topic now on TMZ. Um, yeah. So they had a three part documentary. Which, uh, have you got the name of episode three? I've literally deleted it. It was uh, uh, episode one. Know. Was episode one was the breakthrough. Episode two was the truth seekers. And Dan, can you find episode three for me? I'll um, take a look. So yeah, this aired recently. It was up on Tubi, I think, online as well. Which again, loads of people were saying online about not being able to get it because it's geo-blocked. There are ways to get around this stuff. Um, on a totally separate note, Dan, VPNs are available that make you look like you're in a different country, aren't they? Um, they are, yeah. Um, the Possibilities is episode three. That's the one, The Possibilities. Uh, I know it was a P. Um, so yeah, The Breakthrough, The Truth Seekers, and The Possibilities. It was kind of what I expected. Jeremy Corbell driving it. You had uh, George Knapp uh, making sporadic appearances. You had uh, Kelly Chase from UFO Rabbit Hole podcast. Chris Sharp, Liberation Times is on there. Richard Dolan pops up. Um, and some others as they Jay, go along. Christopher King, Michael Jay, Masters. JC King, Mike Masters, yeah. And they um, were all amazing. Like, just to say, like, hats off to them. Like, very professional. They handled themselves with, with grace, I thought. It was nice to see um, some different faces uh, than, yeah. than what you can get on a lot of other UFO documentaries, which can make them all seem like the same thing. So while it was presenting something that we've seen this before repackaged differently, for the most part, um, some different voices talking on it, which is always always welcome. Um, the the episodes are kind of what you expect. The big intro, the Grush hearing is a good place to start and probably the place to start now because David Grush, I think in, in a way, and I don't mean this derogatory at all as the new Bob Lazar, because he's what folks now talk about immediately with UFOs because he's in the news. He's the guy who's talking about the crash retrievals, talking about the bodies, um, but he's doing that now. 
and he's he's young. So um, I mean that in a good way. Timeline of 2017 onwards. Uh, the jellyfish video and the chandelier um, video. But picture. before we get onto that, let me just ask mm. you, do, do you feel, because these episodes were about an hour each, do you feel that the target demographic for this would carry on past episode one? Or do, uh, do you think maybe like a one and a half hour documentary would have been better? Like, how how do you feel on that front? I reckon it would have been the, the same as any of this kind of stuff. Big figures for episode one, um, less for episode two. And then by the time you get to episode three, whoever's still watching, here's some more information for you. So I think you, you lay out the heavy hitting stuff in episode one and you leave the hook to try and get them in episode two. But that that's just with anything like this. Nothing really ever goes up for the next episode it always goes down um so yeah i, I wonder got... i wonder if episode one having the jellyfish and the conversation that happened around that made some new people come to episode two and look you know i wonder if it was designed that way to kind of have these conversation water cooler points to, to pull some people in to watch some episodes so maybe episode two had a million people but they were all new people watching it you know no Honestly, hundred no. <laughs> percent not. No, and okay. do you know what? I don't. I don't think it matters anymore. And I don't mean just for UFOs, because you've got social media. People watch this stuff, and you get as much traction with social media posts online. Um, and I think a lot of organisations and TV shows. I, I talk about wrestling now and again. Um, WWE will bang on about social media impressions, even though their TV ratings are some of the worst ratings they've ever had, like in their history their social media impressions are huge and sure. they are doing better now financially than they have ever done. So I was reading yeah. about Mr. Mr. Beast earlier that he had more views on YouTube, him and his team than any of the biggest primetime shows. So I, yeah. I think you're definitely right. So There's what, more what emphasis is, what on is, that, right? Yeah. Success so is, is the, the, does it two minutes get clipped and shared around? Like, yeah. Is that more important than an hour show? You know, so so I know WWE Raw, so the wrestling for folks who are less acquainted, WWF as it used to be. Making um, wildlife gets, wrestle, gets, yeah. Yeah. Um gets around two million viewers for Raw. Um and that's a three hour show and it loses viewers by the hour, normally traditionally, okay, depending on what's on. Um hour one, see that gets two million viewers. Clips from hour one on social media will get 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 million views. So does it matter that, that hour one or episode one of a documentary gets half a million viewers from an advertising point of view a little bit, but then on social media, people hear about it, talk about it, clips go viral, and then Jeremy Corbell doing a 30-second voice piece introducing a video gets 100 million views online. So yeah. where success is relative now, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, especially uh, if success is everyone being aware of UFOs. Like that's that's what we want right it doesn't matter if yeah. it's 30 seconds or five hours of conversation pay attention that's it and here's our 30 seconds slash five hours of conversation Dan. <laughs> all i've taken from this really is um and i've said the usual it's um, inoffensive well put together looks really nice i i like jeremy um the none of the content was new for me except the the jellyfish video and the chandelier can we talk about those let's so okay. the the jellyfish was the more controversial of the two i would say but only yeah. because it was first like you know it just got more spread because of that i think and there's more of it 
yeah. thing to talk about. So jellyfish, if people haven't seen it, is an object flying over. Uh, is it a military zone, war zone, military zone? I forget. Uh, what war zone? Um, I can't I, remember I, the location. I, yeah, I put down military. Apologies. I, I know um, when it was presented, we weren't given the location. That's something that's been found since. It was Middle East, wasn't it? Because the yes. one of the things was potentially Eid balloons. Um, yeah, that's we'll right. Get, we'll, we'll get to that. But object who looks a little bit, or what looks a little bit like A, a jellyfish, B, the Imperial drone from The Empire Strikes Back in Star Wars, um, C, a bird shit on the lens, um, or D, s some balloons put together, okay? Or E, a, a UAP. It's an odd shape. I can see why people said, you know, bird shit on the lens. Um, I can see why people said balloons with bits hanging off. Um, it can't be all of them. Um, but I would defer to folks who are experts in optics and videos. Uh, and largely they said it definitely was something 3D just because if they, they kind of time-lapsed it and it looked like it moved, so it wouldn't have been that. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll defer to the experts. So it seemed to be there was an object. It wasn't a bird shit it wasn't a smear and this is before we get to the additional data or the 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 testimony um what was your immediate thoughts when you saw it? and i mean like oh there is that yeah i mean it, it, immediately i thought that looks like bird shit on a lens but i mean it's moving around on the screen right so it's hard to kind of get your head around how that could happen and when people were exploring that hypothesis or idea and when i say it looks like bird shit on the screen i literally mean it looks like i didn't think it was definitely that. Um, but the idea was that, you know, there's a camera, there's housing around the camera, and people thought, okay, well, if the bird crap is on the housing and not the camera, and the camera's moving around and there's stabilization happening, it could make a bird, bit of bird crap on the lens housing look like it's moving around. That was the idea. Um, it hasn't really panned out. You know, the, the way that it moves, if it was mechanical, it would move in a particular way in patterns over and over again. It wasn't. So it doesn't seem to be anything on the lens like that. Um, also, it's infrared. So you would see straight through liquid like that. Um, and you wouldn't kind of see the same effect. Uh, this is where, like, I feel like the community just, everyone just spoke past each other when it happened. There were people not understanding the ideas of each other and kind of saying, no, it's not that. Yes, it's definitely this. <laughs> Just like always, right? There's this and, big and debate. that's why I tried to stay out of it because I was like, one, I've not had a chance to watch the episodes at the point it came out. It took me a few days just with work and stuff. But I remember seeing it and being like, I don't know because I can see why I don't think I would have went to like the, the bird crap on a lens myself. But I saw that. So I had a bias because one of the first things I saw was it looks like this. But then I saw the balloon picture of like the Eid balloons and I went, okay, mm -hmm. it's got a rough, rough shape of that. But I think you can pick any balloon for any type of UFO shape and you could find a balloon yeah. that shape. And um, the weird thing about the balloon stuff is that you, you would expect anything dangling down to be moving moves, in the wind. It right? moves rather weirdly, but again, I'm not a camera expert. So is it the camera stabilization, all that kind of stuff? I don't thing. know. Yeah. Um, it looks odd. Um, I suppose for me then, there's a there's a skip and there's a jump and you see an additional piece of footage. Yes, where over water. We are told the same object is then flying just above water um, from a distance. You can't make it out, but we're told it's the same object. So no reason to disbelieve Jeremy Corbell and what he's been told. Um, it would have been nice to see something that bridged those together, assuming that's there, because I think that would give you a lot more 
uh, a lot more, not credibility, um, confidence in it being the same object. Yeah. And it would also validate that first piece being a solid object moving away from the camera because it moves very oddly. You got it, yeah. So you're 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 relying on, we are told this is the same object. Okay, cool, I'll take that. And then we're told that the object goes into the water, comes out the water, shoots off at a 45 degree angle. What I can't do is be a hypocrite and say, well, that's not good enough because I'm quite happy to take that the gimbal video does that on face value. I'm quite happy to take the tic-tac video turns at a right angle on face value. So I don't think it's fair to turn around I, I and say... I think you're... I would say you're harsh on yourself there. But the only in that I wouldn't say that you do take it at face value, but you let that be a question. You don't say that yeah. it did or didn't happen. You know, you're like, someone yeah. said it. I've got it to first of the eyewitness. I'd love to yeah. see the video. Fair Apparently enough. it exists, but you, you know. But do you get what I mean? I, I don't yeah. think it'd be fair of me to be like, I believe those two that that happens or I really want to believe that happens because I don't know for a fact. Um, no one's ever shown me, you know, send it to my inbox. Um, but same with the Corbell one where I'm like, it's the same thing where Jeremy's been told by a source. And I honestly don't believe he's just putting stuff out deliberately. If he is being fed stuff like, um, without him knowing, that's always a possibility. But that's also true for Chris Mellon, Lou Elizondo, and anyone else. But I imagine sources, vetting, etc. comes into all of this as well. So um, yeah. and what they... is interesting, and can I just quantify that, yeah, Dan? Sorry, I should have said this at the start. I think for both of us here. The next episode of Weaponized that comes out on Wednesday, Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp are going to be talking more about these, which I think you said this online. And we said this from the start when Weaponized began, that Weaponized would be a great platform for when Jeremy and George release videos or pictures, they can follow up. And it's a chance for them to address people's questions and debunking. And do you know what? If something they release comes out and they go yeah, do you know what? Over the last week, we've had enough information that this is, you know, actually this. Or, you know, with the Palm, Palm Springs UFO stuff, uh-huh. yeah. uh, this is actually this. It would be good for them to come out and give us the extra data or something else that they can. Um, that would be exciting for me um, because, one, we hear that it moves away at incredible speeds. We're never seeing that in any of these videos, which is always the disappointment. Um but two, just a little bridge that shows that object moving a little differently in the first one for me, just personally would help. Um, but I'm waffling now on that. So, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I'd love to see that. Just show me the file name is the same or something like that. You know, I don't need to see it all. If it's sensitive, just I need, I, I just want to know whether it's the same video. That's it. Um, another aspect of the video that was strange was the supposed signature management, where we're told that it changes its temperature as it's going along. And it's been pointed out by FLIR experts as well that the whole scene is changing temperature. Therefore, yeah, the, the object changes temperature yeah. relative to it. So that that is something that keeps coming up. I heard News Nation repeat it after it had already been figured out. Looking forward to Jeremy and George kind of expanding on that. But that that is one of those things that, for me, I feel like that aspect of the video is gone now. Like, that's been explained yeah. perfectly reasonably. Everything lines up in every instance of it doing it. So... It, it's kind of in, the ball is in Jeremy and George's court now to just say, yeah, that looks like that kind of answers that part of it. But there's still all this anomalous stuff that we need to look at. One interesting thing that happened after the video was released that longtime debunker um, went and found a witness to this event or someone that was at the, uh, yeah. the airbase. Marine veteran Michael Chinkowski says he watched the video while stationed on an Iraqi base in 2018. He 
expanded on that and said that the video had become a kind of a ghost story to show new recruits and scare them and like oh yeah this is kind of in the sky and watch out for this it'll get you type thing like winding them up um he said that he thought it was crap on the lens at first but everyone around him said nope you're wrong that's not what it is this is a 3d object so this possibility has been addressed by people more qualified than you know exist on twitter formally oh, i was going to say formally x then um but also that case was presented to debunk the whole thing. The person that found that witness, Stevens Greed Street from the, the New York uh, Post, um, said that this guy said nothing happened. This guy then came forward again and said, actually, what uh, Stephen Greenstreet is saying about me is not true. I wasn't a witness to the event. It is still strange. Nothing has been debunked. That's where we stand with it. So the, the Marine said, I don't know when someone tried to present him in a light where he said, I do know when it was normal. Uh, it's really interesting that it's gone that way. And I'm looking forward to, to, you know, maybe Michael will be on the show on Weaponize to talk about it. Yeah, and I look forward to them addressing it and rather move forward with it still and it's classified as unknown or we find out it's something more prosaic. Um, there was the other image, which is a still from a video of the Chandelier UFO. I'm just looking at it now. And it was uh, filmed over the Persian Gulf. Um, Jeremy said on his own Twitter, and just let me read this, uh, we released the image of a military filmed UAP, still from a video, that was filmed over the Persian Gulf. This vehicle of unknown origin had no conventional flight control surfaces and has been officially designated by the United States as a UAP. This designation is currently maintained, and it's a chandelier UFO. Um, this one, Dan, for me was less spectacular because... I think a lot of people managed to demonstrate in a lot of different ways um, refraction on uh -huh. even like using stars. And that was the first thing I thought of was some of those James Webb telescope or Hubble telescope pictures that show stars and the light refracts in a really cool shape. Um, and yeah, I, I, I need a lot more convincing on this one personally. Yeah. I, I would be exactly the same. It was it was underwhelming compared to the jellyfish, but again, keep that relative because you know ufology is where it is. So underwhelming means something different now to what it meant fifteen years ago. Uh, still love that it was presented. Again, kind of desire more information on it before I go running with it. Like neither of these two things. If someone said to me, "What's the best UFO case?" Neither of these two things come close for me. Yeah, um, but I would always rather see this stuff than not. To let yeah. us discuss and debate it, um, whether it's on a podcast or not. Well, that's Jeremy it. says, I've got it, and everyone goes, Why didn't show it then? <laughs> exactly. It's like they can't win, really, can they? That's no. that's the other. Um, so yeah, so those those more to come. Weaponized will be out on Wednesday. Definitely go and check that one out, folks. I've quite enjoyed the last few weeks of Weaponized, listening back to the old John Alexander conversations. It's a good one. Uh, and uh, well, John Alexander was slightly more recent, wasn't it? But he was in the video or the last audio of the background of the previous one, which was with, what was his name, Dan? With the gentleman? Kill. Um, just talk for a second, Dan, while I, I find out the name. Well, so I mentioned earlier that I'd been reading John Keel and there was a, a particular set of quotes that I thought were really relevant to this discussion about the jellyfish and the other video and all the videos that we're going to see. And Keel wrote, we must stop asking can these things be? And we must begin asking, why are there these things? Once we begin looking beyond the mere manifestations, we'll finally glimpse the real truth. Belief has always been the enemy of truth. Yet, ironically, if our minds are supple enough, belief can sometimes open the door. 
And I think that's what this documentary and these videos being released does for people. It opens that door just a little bit for them to get in the conversation. It was Phil Corso, Philip Corso. Was, oh, sure. uh, the, that, yeah, that was it. So it was really interesting here. It was really old conversations. George recorded, what, 20, 25 years ago, um, when it, whenever it was. So those are really cool to hear on Weaponized. And you're 100% right. When these documentaries go out, it gets new eyes and new ears, interested in a subject. And again, folks like us, you can look at these and go, I'm not going to learn anything new. Do you know what? No, you're probably not. And you're not going to learn much new from 95% of any UFO documentary, to uh-huh. be honest. Just because um, how long they take to make, right? Like, it's just not going to, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I know um, Darcy Weir, who I've had on the podcast, I like Darcy, and I never got the chance to meet him when he was in, in the UK. Uh, stuff came up last minute. Um, I put on saying a tweet that you'll never see smoking gun evidence in a ufo documentary and i i meant that with all due respect to anyone who makes a ufo documentary but i made the point to him because he'd done the little eyebrow raise emoji and that wasn't a dig at any ufo documentary maker maybe i'll make one myself one day who knows but if and let's let dan i'm a ufo documentary maker right I am making uh, a UFO documentary that I'm going to go to Rendlesham, Roswell. I'm going to go to, you know, the Phoenix Lights area. I'm going to speak to witnesses. I've got Lou Elizondo. I've got Stephen Greer. I'm making the, the, the mother of all UFO documentaries, right? During that filming process, which probably takes, what, a year at least to do all that and edit it, and I'm sure James Fox and Darcy Weir and Jeremy Corbell will testify how difficult it is. During that, I get a video that falls right into my lap, and it's I've got the 4K video of the Tic Tac off Dave Fravor's wing, right? Whoever was in the back of Dave Fravor's jet went, I filmed it, I've got it, here it is. I've got the gun camera footage. I've got the data. It's undisputable. Oh my God, there is the world's best UAP UFO video, right? A minute, two minutes long. It's incredible. You see it shoot off. Everything's undeniable, right? All the the doubters and skeptics can't argue this. Am I A, keeping that to edit it into my hour and a half long documentary to release later, regardless of what I could charge for it, et cetera, et cetera? Or am I contacting every major news network and a publicist to say i have this i want it on the biggest forget fees because let's be fair anyone's going to charge for that no one's giving that away for free you can say what you like but you are you are getting paid for that right anyone would you'd be silly not to but you would want it on the biggest network you could whether that was youtube coming up to you and saying i want this on mr beast youtube channel and it's going to get it's going to get a billion views tonight or it's going to be on Rogan, or going to do the first ever live Joe Rogan podcast, and it's going to stream on Amazon Prime, it's going to stream on Netflix, it's, you know, it's going to be on Disney+, Plus, and we're going to do this video and present it. Or, are you, or what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to wait a year? Or is that footage going out live, special programming, whatever it might be that night? I would, I would have to say it's going out live. You're not keeping that. And that was my point about UFO documentaries. And I think there's a very real example of that. James Fox's uh, moment of contact, right? He he found out that there may be videos of the alien that the government supposedly captured. And what is he going to do? Bite his tongue when he's on use programs? He's going to yeah. use every opportunity he can to make sure this gets the, the spotlight it deserves if yeah. they can get a hold of it. Like you said before, they can't win. If they don't tell us, they're keeping secrets. If they tell us, they're grifters. 
you, you know, yeah. like we, we need to leave room for, for people to cook. Yeah, hundred percent. So uh that's that's my my view on that. And I hope it is someone like James Fox or Darcy Weir or Jeremy Corbell or any up and coming UFO documentary maker that gets that amazing piece of footage that gets to unveil it to the public. That that would be great. Um I wouldn't yeah. want to wait a year for it or six months for it to be on a TV show. Um so yeah. Um any more on that, Dan, or move on to the, the last kind of bit on James Webb? Let's jump. Yeah, so um, on to the more kind of, I mean, it's all science-based, as we say, but more recent science news, uh, James Webb Telescope. And this was back in, what, September, Dan? There was some yeah. announcements and news that, that it may have found some serious signs of life on another planet 200 or so light years away, I think it was. Yeah. And just recently, it's surfaced again because a few media personalities in the scientific community including astronaut tim peak and astronaut and tim peak isn't the biggest ufo champion in the world by any means i don't think but he was asked about you know um, aliens et such you know james webb telescope um and he basically came out and said that you know the james webb telescope may have already found signs of life and are just waiting to unveil and release the results because they just want to verify some more information this kind of caught fire and a lot of folks seem to have run with this now haven't they that it's looking like the james webb last year at some point did capture what they think is a sure fire sign of life on another planet yeah, absolutely. I'm hearing from so many people that work in these fields, astrophysicists, so on and so forth, that something is coming, probably sooner rather than later, but at least first this half year. of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would comfortably say first half of the year, but twenty twenty four at the very least. Um a lot of people are talking about it, they're all hinting. I imagine, you know, that's because as all James Webb science has been done so far. It's a group effort. It's a collaboration from everyone across the world. One group of scientists say, hey, we found this. They give it to another group of scientists who aim the telescope there and they double check and they keep doing that until they get to what's called their, you know, four, five, six sigma result. Six sigma is pretty much 100 yeah. um, percent. You, you know, there are kind of buildups to that. Um, so they would have been working to confirm this. Now, the James Webb Telescope looks in near infrared and infrared. It's not looking in visible light like you and I can see. So any that assertions that they can see building lights. lights and city yep. lights and stuff? No, it cannot pick those up. It physically yeah, we, cannot. We are that. not getting a shot of planet Earth at night like on my iPhone right now <laughs> that shows the city lights. And again, I'll show for the YouTube folks. What we're not getting is the James Webb telescope with something like that. It's just not going to happen. Um, like you say, it's it's likely to be some kind of gas, like a pollution, essentially, that's being given off and isn't created naturally is that what we're, we're looking at more than likely yeah we're looking at chemical processes that make compounds and elements that we associate with life one of the interesting things we always talk about here um we've done it a few times is how do you define life this means different something it means different things in different fields no one agrees upon it you know so a big part of any confirmation from James Webb is that they would have all agreed upon a definition of what constitutes life. Mm -hmm. That would be huge in science because once we have a signature, we can start looking for it, right? Um, the James Webb telescope, it looks at atmospheres. It looks at the chemicals in the atmospheres of these planets. So if it's looking out there and it's seeing something as simple as all of the ingredients that we think think we needed to be present on earth and the rest of the ecosystem here and all the other animals and plants and so on and so forth if all those other ingredients are out there on some other planet 
then it's highly suggestive that there's life there. And then they can kind of do things on top of that. So we've got a few scenarios that could happen. It could be that they found one planet that has this. It could be that they found multiple planets that have it. And that upon defining it, they've been able to fingerprint a lot more of the planets they've been looking at, which would be a whole different announcement, right? Like we found out on one planet versus actually most planets seem to have these ingredients for life. That changes our perspective on it. And it's it's yet another one of those elements that is conversion as we're talking about UAP that make the the idea that we're not alone really not that crazy anymore. This isn't a crackpot theory. It's, you know, it's about smell or uh, look at the way the wind's blowing. I was going to say smell the wind then, but that's not. <laughs> uh, do you think that would immediately make the whole David Grush conversation and where we are right now a lot more palatable for the mainstream media? And I think they would really bite into that. If we get the announcement that, you know what, that life has been discovered in some form on another planet, it is so far away that we can't get to it anytime soon. Um, but we're all, you know, we're certain that life is on this planet in some form, um, creating pollution, etc. Um, we're going to do X, Y, or Z. Um, but as a scientific endeavor, this is going to be a long-term project. But, it, you know, it'd be a huge announcement. Immediately, surely the media then go, ah, oh, so you know that guy that's talking about UFOs and alien biologics and everything else? We should really shine a spotlight on this because all of a sudden that crazy UFO conversation and Chris Christie being the guy in the election debate who gets the UFO question, they're all at that point getting the UFO question. They're all going to be getting the... So it turns out we are not alone in the universe, but what we've found really far away. But that would probably mean there's stuff much closer. What are we going to do about it? the whole conversation around all of that changes for me overnight. 100% agree with that. I, I think then you almost need to have a fresh national security conversation with every country on earth about what do we do if they come here. And that's fine to have the hypothetical. You know, we, we don't need to say that there's definitely visitors here. Every country on earth would start thinking about how to actually physically be equipped now to deal with an extraterrestrial presence. Same result, right? Whether we're talking about disclosure or and being told we're not alone, but nothing revealing itself, the others not revealing themselves or seeing it out there. And then the debate becomes just, I mean, it, it's out there. Is it here? You know, if you go to another street, you can see another house. Yeah. Do, do we have neighbors or do we not? That, you know? that sample size of people I talked about who aren't ready for lots of the conversation and you've got the really obvious one of, yeah, but they're too far away to get here. That doesn't go away but it shrinks considerably and uh -huh. more people sway towards, right, well, maybe they are coming here or they might not be coming here. That could be in a, a civilization that's in what we would have an equivalent of their steam age, you know, yeah. that industrial revolution type stage, you know, just for talking sake. They're not getting here. They might not even make it past that, but something else might have. And that for me would just change the public conversation and perception overnight. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I think it, I hate to say it could be an exciting year because a lot of people do that hype thing for years, but I do think we're genuinely close to a James Webb announcement. And Dan, people like me and you have said for a while, we think that's a really good candidate for what could push this conversation forward would be the James Webb finding something. Yeah. That would be a I, biggie. I mean, look at, look at the impact that would have on Project Galileo. Abby wants to put 
a satellite in space that if there are extrasolar objects like a muamua that come into the solar system that we can take a picture of it that's not i mean that's not that crazy right no. but for some reason that's a crazy thing to want to do because the possibility might exist that it's not a rock that is something more interesting if we know there's life out there then that satellite i guarantee you will be up in five to ten years yeah. And that's just how it'll be. I would be surprised I if it's not already. <laughs> I think less than that because then you get guys like Musk going, ah, do you know what? Aliens are out there. Cool. Uh-huh. I'm going to go, I'll go looking, love them or hate them. That then gets his attention and the ego. I'm going to go. I was just going to say, functional ego again. That's yeah. what we need. It's a, it's a really good thing. And then just to, I'm just going to throw the curveball out there because there's every possibility that maybe, you know, this could be it. But when we speak about infrared, we don't see an infrared, right? Like if I put a ball in front of you, the only speak shone infrared light right now, <laughs> yep. you literally wouldn't be able to see it. It would be an invisible ball to you. We know there are objects in space that only emit infrared light, suns, things like that. So they are invisible to us. They're invisible, literally. That's how we would describe them. They're not invisible now because we have we built the sensor, but it's invisible life. It's dimensional. That's what we would say. Um, so what if they found a planet that consists of beings that are in infrared light instead of us, you know? Uh, that's a far out there idea, but it's a possibility. The universe is infinite, you know? Um, and to sign off, folks, I'm going to speak in infrared. <laughs> While Andy's popped off, uh, he'll be back on soon. So uh, let's jump on to the next story. The Redacted Podcast hosted former Lockheed employee uh, to speak about... Oh, hello, you're back. I just carried on. We've been doing a new show at this point. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, what are you saying so, now, Lockheed? Yeah, a former Lockheed employee came forward to talk about, um, with the Redacted Podcast YouTube show, to talk about Lockheed's own crash retrieval and UFO engineering team. A few weeks back, I, I you know gave people an idea that maybe this year we'll see some people coming forward from private aerospace companies talking about this stuff. Supposedly they want to divest this material that they have. Um, so it would make sense that we hear from them. It looks like this is starting to happen already. Uh, <clears throat> do you think if someone came forward from Lockheed that they would be sued to oblivion by Lockheed? Or do you think there might be like a concerted effort to be like, Pretend, like, let's just pretend that we have a problem with you going forward and revealing this stuff. So, theater. I I spoke to someone about this recently. Again, it might have been Matt Laszlo, not sure. But the idea that Lockheed is a, a, a hive mind and it's not, it's an organization and, a, you know, it has factories and it has different departments and compartments and, I think there could be people who are quite happy to entertain this conversation and get it out there. There could be folks very well in there who don't want it out at all. And there could be folks who are somewhere in the middle of all of that. So it's a really difficult one because would it be the same as having a David Grush whistleblower type come out where some are for it, some aren't for it. Again, I think you would always have to imagine it's someone with no family, no, no connection, no ties to really come out and have a conversation that no one could be got at, basically, because we can tell from people like David Crush that that still happens and that will happen. I can't um, remember what I saw. I saw something the other day that that put that whistleblower reprisal thing in, in a new light for me. Like when, when we hear about Grush being threatened and his wife being threatened, we always think of 
them being, you know, given a sign that they can be got to. I don't know, they'll move something in the house or open a door or turn the alarm system off or something like that. But in the thing I was watching, the person showed up and spoke to the wife and told them, hey, get your husband to back off. Otherwise, we're going to take him from you forever. Mm. And it kind of becomes a different thing, right? When you've got, you know, you might be there saying, I'm dedicated to truth. I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow this through till the wheels come off. But then if your wife turned around and started begging you through tears not to carry on, what do you do? Yeah, 100%. Um, so uh, on that, Dan, just to finish off, kind of breaking news. Well, breaking news for me, it might not be for you. Um, <laughs> AJ, AJ Hartley and Tom DeLong have got a new book coming out called Trinity. Yeah. Have you seen that? I have, yeah. Um, that's actually next on my list as well. Ah, okay, cool. Um, I don't know anything <laughs> about this, and I'd just seen the picture uh, on on the socials there. So, do you know, it, it's it not is... secret machines. No, it's not. But also, see, there's this why cool bloody thing, write right? it then? So Trinity. So it's set during the Trinity test. It's not to do with the crash. It's to do with yeah. the the test. That's what it's referring to. And um, the cover kind of shows the explosion in the background. Yes, UFO to the side of it, car driving away. Exactly. Supposedly, the Trinity bomb went off and knocked something out of the sky. The rumor is it was a satellite, but there's a deeper rumor that says it was a UFO and, and the electromagnetic magnetic pulse was what hit it down. So this novel seems to be using that story in the same way as Secret Machines used all the other stories. However, how cool would it be if there was a little connection to Jennifer's family in this or to the Maynard group, the, the finances of the investigation, the secret investigation yeah. for the for phenomena? I, I think it could be really cool if to the stars make a bunch of series that kind of fill out the history of this subject with all these connections running through them. But we'll see. I, I think that's out in June, uh, June 11th, 2024. Nice. Um, and on that, a few folks had asked, I started watching the Three Body, as it's called, Three Body Problem Adaption. Oh, the Chinese, Chinese version. One. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So I'm watching that on YouTube. It's what, 30 episodes? Is that right? Yeah, really um, long. It looks really nice, though. I like it. Yeah. I know you said well, it's, made... it's probably a bit drawn out, but um, it's really well produced, made. Yeah. Decent budget. And the the Netflix version, I want to finish this before the Netflix one comes out on the 21st of March, which I'm very much looking forward to. And that's going to potentially propel the UFO conversation into, because it's people who make Game of Thrones, so it's big budget. Netflix have yep. put a lot of money into it. Um, so that'll be nice to see that up on a big screen and people maybe thinking of the UFO topic in a different way. Not yeah, to spoil exactly. anything, but you know, how else could aliens contact us? I'm really looking forward to the Netflix one just because from the trailer already, it looks like they've brought stuff from book two and three into book one. And it's it's not just about shifting books because it's not a linear thing. The first book is very, it happens over a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. But then by the time you're maybe midway through book two, you're about 800 years in the future from where you started. And then by the end of book three, you're like thousands of years in the future from where you started and you have a whole different set of characters. So it's interesting and then that they're pulling does... all these characters around and changing so the wonder... time zones. Will they try and maybe condense a lot of that? Because that might be a lot to show the public. Yeah. If, well, if you that's... are having like a UFO type 
TV series. Similar to what we said before, Dan, about where are people ready for it? You could put a really cool sci-fi series introducing new ideas, new theories. How might aliens contact us? How might me attempt to deal with that? How might that look from you know a government point of view, a political point of view, a public point of view? But then within a few episodes or series, you're 800 years in the future. People go, ah, I'm not really into this anymore. Yeah, exactly. It makes me think of Foundation. It was hard to get a hook onto it. Like by the end of series two, cool, I've got the linear sense of what it's doing and the story it's telling. But you, you who's left by the end of series two though? Need a hook to get people into it. Otherwise, and people just aren't going to follow it. Like we said, episode one, episode two, episode three. How many people realistically are sticking around for exactly. episode twelve of series two to go? Ah, right, okay, I get it now. Especially nowadays, really good series get cancelled after one, one yeah. showing just because you know the the, the demand's not there for it. So, yeah, so, so I I imagine they're probably operating on the idea of this is a one and done series, which is why they're pulling different elements around and seeing where they fit into into the first season. Uh, but it's going to be curious which bits catch on, you know, which bits become little clips that get pushed out there. Um, something else I'm curious about is how many people will watch that three-body thing. So have a look at the the viewing numbers and send them to me next time you see them, if you can. Definitely, yeah. Um, anything else, Dan? Um, a few things. So one, just to mention the NASA X-59 experimental plane took its first flight. This is a supersonic plane with no sonic boom. Not entirely silent. It's kind of like a distant thunder rather than a boom that smashes windows. Could completely change how we travel and things like that. But that's an observable. That's one of the five observables. So I mention it just because supersonic travel is no longer without sound is no longer something that is just confined to UAP. It's also in our technology as well. And it's the first flight they've told you about. Um, precisely, exactly. And if they've got this with a grumbling distant thunder sound, you probably know, realize that they have some concepts that are completely silent and can go that speed. Really interesting. We thought that was a limit. Turns out it's not. We just kind of thought our way past it. We also have ancient civilization news. Uh, scientists using LIDAR scanning the Amazon jungle found a two and a half thousand year old ancient road system in the Amazon about a thousand years older than other civilizations in the area. Uh, the network was surrounded by expansive agricultural landscapes um, and additional river drainage with 15 settlements being studied. So that was really interesting. And it's it's also because our you know past goes back a lot further than we think. We keep looking, stuff keeps getting older to steal a phrase from Gray Hancock. But also a really good example of what does spending all this money on trace space travel give us? LiDAR, that's from the Mars rover. It's now in your phone, helping your phone focus in the dark and things like that. Take those six selfies for Instagram. But also doing this kind of thing where we can scan through the tree canopy of the Amazon to see what's under there. We also have Maya Benowitz. Uh, she has been hinting towards the James Webb announcement recently. Uh, but she released her first paper, and it was really interesting. I'm just going to read like this little... The, the name of it is Bootstrapping the Universal Wave Function, which is waffle to most people. So I'm just mm -hmm. going to read this paragraph because I thought this was really cool. So uh, she writes, This observational consequence will soon provide the first experimental test of the multiverse. That's huge alone on its own. We can test for the multiverse? Cool. Great. Let's do that. <laughs> then she writes, This begs the profound question. Can we split time in two different directions with a fine-tuned matter-antimatter reaction, a warp in the quantum nature of space-time into shapes of our design and explore the many worlds? Will humanity one day in some other world out there find their way to us? Will we one day find our way to them? If quantum universality is true, or the idea that the universe is quantum, um, and the multiverse exists, then there must exist worlds where future humans have mastered this quantum nature of space-time and travel to the past adjacent, back to us, um, using a form of time travel in the multiverse. But if this was possible, then where are they? 
that last line there is really cool because that's the same line that you get from the Fermi paradox, which says, well, if you know one planet in a billion contains life, then yeah. life should be all around us according to this equation. And it's not. So where are they? So the solution to both of those things is kind of, you know, in this field, right? Like there's probably people probably listening to the show right now saying, we know where they are. They're, they're the ultra terrestrials we call. They're the future humans that Michael Masters calls them and things like or, that. In a way, like you said before, do we, as the average person, have to start changing how we define what life is? Are we looking for people like us and going, oh, we can't see any? Well, actually, maybe in a way, humans like this are pretty unique. But actually, yeah. there's there's billions of forms of life out there, but you keep looking for the kind of Star Trek or Star Wars variation of life, where you're all flying about looking very much bipedal, you know, similar types, yeah. but actually there's, you see, infrared beings, wave-like beings, you know, Palladian beings, Dan, you know? Yeah. God help I, us. I mean, do those people, you know, they're just trying to find the language? To I'll be so, it, right? <laughs> so, so pissed off if... A craft landed one day and they came out and it was like we are loving light beings from the Palladians. Like, ah no. And they're like, oh, Where's right. Anjali? And we're like, Oh yeah. god damn it. Yeah, she's been telling you for ages. And I'd be like, you know, I mean, no no harm at all to Anjali, God. But yeah, you know where you're like, Oh my god, I'd be so I'd be so be I'd rather funny, I'd rather Greer was right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I'll make a t shirt Greer was right. Let's, let's go with that. Someone comes out, yeah, I'm a starseed ascension. I'd be like, ah, <laughs> it's really disappointing. <laughs> any more of you no no just as it's just as <laughs> we have been around the whole universe and it's just as okay that'd be hilarious for a turn out for the book on to my next virtual conference for them <sighs> um we also had bernardo castro philosopher and scientist come into the mix he wrote an article about the silurian hypothesis which is basically the idea that on earth for 350 million years life could have developed into a very advanced uh, society, you know, into an industrial society. And we wouldn't see a trace of it now if it was present. So some of these things that we're seeing could be from something like that. Um, he explores the idea. It's a really cool breakdown of the challenges, real science in the area. And it doesn't use Wu language. It's, you know, very straightforward using language that anyone that's familiar with science and, and just English would, would understand. He did a really good job. And then I would say, if you want to dive deeper on that, um, Elena Loftus uh, did something on a Substack where she just went in with a bit more information, um, again, on the Silurian hypothesis. Both really good. They're really good series of articles together. Um, you know, credit where it's due. And then just quickly to mention the mummies. Did you want to finish up with that? <sighs> <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to make a point that some people get and it's being lost on some others on social media, right? All all good natured debate. I feel if those mummies, not the fake ones that were just recently put out that people jumped on, and so did I, because I was like, is this these? But it's not. If those mummies that Jaime Musan and others, and I get some genuine academics and scientists have looked at them if they were genuinely genuine and had something about them worth looking into more folk than are would be jumping over themselves to get at them and study them and scientists and academics from around the planet would be flying themselves out and queuing up to look at these and from what i can see and i could be wrong they aren't and haven't been yeah, I, I, w I would say that's fair. You know, we, we have the, essentially the proofs, 
prosecutor's office saying that some they found in the past they've tested again and they found there to be dolls made of animal bones and things like that. They're different yeah. from the ones that were presented in the Mexico hearing, but yeah. they still come from the same people. And we said early on, you know, they still that doesn't mean that these are BS. They could be right once, you know, blo- broken clock is right once a day, or twice a day. Um, once Dan, I've, but, I've got um, a... If I've got a set of really rare, let's go with wrestling again, really rare wrestling figures <laughs> from the 1980s, right? First Which edition, ones? Be specific. I know you've I've got, got them. <laughs> I've got a Hulk Hogan. I've nice. got a Bob Backlund. I've got Bidding a Bruno, San, Bruno San Martino. I've got a um, in, in the pack. Ernie, the cat, Ernie the Cat Lad, right? Nice. I, I'm going old school <laughs> here, right? And they're all first editions, mint condition, like on card beautiful the bubbles aren't but creased or anything right um stunning stunning condition right and it turns out i sell i try to sell you them and you find out they're all fake right word gets out amongst the circle that that that's what happened six or seven years later i come back on the scene dan and i've now got a whole bunch of new figures boxed signed similar type stuff you know ted dibiase this time bushwhackers um who else have i got andre the giants in there really rare only five of them are made and it turns out they're real what are people going to say well they they're gonna it's really quite rough, right exactly exactly and people are going to assume right off the bat that you got better at faking them in the time that passed but dan this time i'm going to do a really good deal on them because of what happened last time so you can actually have them a bit cheaper than what they're worth <laughs> It's a good I deal, mean, but why aren't people jumping at these? Because they're real. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you're exactly right to point it out. There, there would be caution. There would be. I should have given them to someone else to sell. Earned, and yeah, you you've got to know what uh, the you, you look like to an audience, right? Self awareness. Yeah. So I turn around to my wife and I get her to sell them instead because she's got a better reputation, or she doesn't have a damaged reputation, and she can get the fair price for them or what they're worth to the right person, but you're you're sullied with that reputation from before so yeah i still stand by whatever the status of those mummies and i'll happily be oh for the love of god i would love them to be real and genuine but i don't think they are everything points to them not being um i would love to be proven wrong i'd happily sit here on a live stream for 24 hours and have people call in and say haha you were wrong you didn't believe Jaime Misan. amazing yeah but i'm glad they're real so let's and, crack and- on Here's the thing as well, right? I noticed uh, there, there was an interview where you said uh, that you could have Jaime Massan on the show to talk to him. Yeah. And people would say Jaime was right, everyone else was wrong. I, I want to be very pointed with this. Jaime is irrelevant to the science of these specimens. Yeah. If you're going to talk to anyone, talk to one of the scientists that's done the work. If people are going to pay attention to anything from this, pay attention to the science. Believing someone when it comes to science like this, belief shouldn't come into it. It's the science that we should be looking at. So as as much as I'm like, you know what? If they are real, thanks for bringing them forward, Jaime. At the same time, I'm like, get out of the way and let the science do the talking. Yeah. We've all had friends tell you a story that you've not believed because they're that friend. Something ridiculous is happening. Did you know this? Did Did you hear this? And you don't believe them because of who it is. But then you find out it was true. And they'll, oh, you, but you didn't believe me. I tried to tell you. Yeah, like you say, boy, you cried real Yeah, but it was you. You've done this before. So yeah. I struggled to believe that. Um, I'm, I'm all for it, though, Dan. Like, you know that. And, and you'd be the same, wouldn't you? That yeah, I hope they're you know, real. But... When, 
when those articles were going around, I was the first one to point out like, whoa, 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 hold on. These are different. These aren't, we're conflating. These aren't, you know, we've got to be honest. That's fair. And I'll be really honest, Dan, I'm not someone that's going to sit with a scientist on a podcast and be like, oh, um, so this uh, breakdown of compounds is really interesting because I don't know that it is. <laughs> I don't know that that is. The 4B ligaments yeah. on the 3B joint is this. You, I mean, you might don't be. you don't know, right? It might yeah. be, but you don't know. What I rely on is a load of others out there who would know, and I mean genuinely qualified scientists, not people with a few thousand Twitter followers or even a hundred thousand Twitter followers saying, oh, but yeah, these are real. Reddit people say it's real. Yeah. If Joe Rogan turned around and said they were real, I wouldn't believe him with X amount of million followers. I need a scientist, a real serious guy, to sit on Joe Rogan and say, I've got no interest in the UFO and the alien subject. I've studied these. I would conclude these are not human. That for yeah. me would make me go, ah, okay, interesting. Yeah, exactly. I'm on board. Exactly. And I know that call is still out as well for people to come and look at these things. So this is just another moment where we just got to kind of sigh and the beat goes on and let it happen. Let those plates keep spinning. Do, do you want a fun fact that I couldn't believe when I read it to, to finish off? Mm-hmm. If everyone on earth was put in a one versus one wrestling tournament, how many rounds would it take before you found your champion? Um, <laughs> 79 Is that when it would be done? Yeah, you'd have a champion by 33 I'd do like a 33 round tournament <laughs> And folks, it's remember it. Dan and Olaf Rockner Both are part of 33 rounds creative Is that a subtle <laughs> advertisement? Nice I don't know if yeah, that's I like what you're going for there yeah. <laughs> I mean it wasn't, but I'll take it <laughs> Yeah, that's a nice way to leave it then. Go and check out 33 Ounce Creative. Check out Ask a Paul for Matt Laszlo as well, please, Definitely. folks. Um, he's just broke 5,000 followers. He and they deserve a lot more than that as well as part of the organization. They do a lot of really good work. And with the, the pulse of this subject right now being in Washington, uh, congressmen and women really hot on on the, the, kinda, the footsteps of this. Matt is right on the doorstep of these people. So yeah, go check it out and we'll speak very, very soon. That is all for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. Apple and Spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm. If you're checking the show on YouTube, please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well. Any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform. And finally, you can listen to shows ad-free and sponsor-free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on Apple, Spotify, just search That UFO Podcast Premium YouTube. You can sign up and be a member or you can do that through patreon.com. Thank you very much for listening, folks. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right inside of my window and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an